Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this author with me today. Her debut novel, A Hundred Other Girls, is about to come out, and it is one of my favorite 2022 reads. It was so, so good. So I am so happy to welcome Iman Hariri Kia to Books Are Chic. Welcome, Iman. Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. I am so thrilled to be able to talk to you about this book. Feels like three years in the making. And thank you for the kind words. I already said this, but oh, it just feels so surreal to hear that people read the book and loved it. I can only, well, first of all, this book had to be on Books or Chic because it is such a chic read. Mm-hmm. The story, just the glamour, all of it. And if people could see you, you are super chic too with your necklaces and you're so fabulous. Um, but this book, like I mentioned, and I can only imagine how you feel you work so hard on this book. It's coming out. It's such a gem, but it was, I mean, it is like the epitome of a summer breezy, fun read. Mm-hmm. I just loved everything about it. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I think that the book is definitely chic. It's about a world that's known for being very chic. Uh, whenever I speak about the book, give a synopsis, talk about my favorite parts. I really um, touch on the parts of the book that I feel are cultural commentaries, which are insightful, which I think um, will lead to some sort of larger meditation around what it means to live your dream and what it means to have a dream job. But the truth of the matter is this book is a very like fun, juicy, salacious romp. And um, I think that you really get the best of both worlds in it. Um, It's something you can read in a couple of days. It's the perfect beach read. But I also think it'll lead you to question, you know, why you make certain decisions or reflect on your first job in whatever industry you work in. So, you know, why not have both? Why not have a little bit of uh, insight and also just like hilarious jaw-dropping, I can't believe that happened moments. (laughs) No, I couldn't agree more. I think Aside from it, like being breezy, there are so many layers to it. And like I said to you, it's funny, but also, yes, you fully can question. And even if you're far removed, sort of where she's coming from, you can just sort of think about the choices that you make, like you said, and like, what are your passions and, and what are you going to do to get there? And, and sort of like we talked about before, just like, what do you have to sacrifice, but also like be aligned with like who you are and, and not sacrifice those big pieces of who you are. But I am so, I did a lot of reading up about you and I'm so curious and you have such a fun background because you've been writing, even though this is your debut novel, you've been doing all kinds of amazing writing. So give us a little bio of who Iman is. Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Well, God, what a question. Um, I have been writing for a really long time. I always knew I wanted to write in some capacity. And I feel like it's just the through line of my life is I've always been writing in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been freelancing since I was in high school. I wrote my first op-ed at the age of 15. um, And I've been writing about, you know, the intersection of my identity with beauty, fashion, politics for Um, sort of a large range of different digital and print publications um, on and off for over a decade. But I worked for, I mean, the past 
seven plus years um, for different digital media companies. I um, worked primarily as an editor for women's lifestyle magazines, focusing in young adult, uh, teen content. I love teenagers um, and sex and relationships. And those two topics, I think, sometimes feel, uh, you know, like separate beats, but I really think that they intersect in really complex and amazing ways. Um, I'm fascinated by sex education and sexual autonomy and the ways in which young people can feel empowered through information to communicate about their bodies. And God, I, I really loved, um, you know, every moment that I had helping other people tell their stories and spread information. But um, I think about three years ago, I got to a place where I realized that I really wanted to have a project that was all mine, um, mm -hmm. something that I could own creatively, uh, that I could look forward to working on every day when I got home from work. And I really think that this book is a story I needed to tell before I could tell any other stories because um, it's been percolating in my brain for so long. And uh, in some ways, it feels like the book I've been writing my whole life. In others, it feels as current as possible, like it could have been written yesterday. Uh, so 100 Other Girls is born and it's really, uh, it's changed my life. And while I'm definitely like a writer and a magazine girly and an essayist at, at heart, um, being a novelist and being able to tell sort of a long form story uh, with real emotional resonance, that's also like, as we both said, like fun and um, easy to read. It's been just the most rewarding experience of my life, truly. I mean, you wouldn't have even known that this was your first novel reading it. I mean, yeah. it was like where, okay, what's her, her backlist here? We got to get, <laughs> we got to get more titles under, under Iman's name. But I guess going back to, to, to the beginning, what you, what you were talking about, you had worked so many years writing um, different op-eds and stuff like that. And so, and you've had this idea, which I'm sure you could pull a lot of and I'm it's Nora, right? Am I saying that right? Uh, yeah. Nora. Okay. Um, a lot of Nora's probably stories from things that maybe you experienced in at your digital jobs and, and you were sort of in this world. But when you got the idea or when you got the like gumption to be like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna write a book, what how did you have to shift your brain? I mean, you're a writer at heart, but writing a novel is obviously something different than writing, you know, like an article of so many yeah. words. Yeah, well, I definitely think that you're right. I did pull a lot um, from my experience working in every single job I've had since graduating from college. Um, I definitely think I pulled a lot from my personal experience um, and put it into Nora's journey. Um, and although the entire thing is completely fictitious, um, yeah. there is no you know character, company, <laughs> person that um, I can point to and say, you are someone in real life with a different name. Um, I definitely walked I wanted it to feel like vulnerable and, um, you know, relatable and in order to do that. And sometimes the truth is even stranger than fiction. Um, but yeah, you're completely right. I mean, I have been used to turning out like 2000 word essays, um, for so long. And this book is like 80,000 plus words. So it was definitely a shift, a mental shift and a lesson in patience and pacing, um, in sticking to a uh, current schedule and really holding myself accountable when it comes to hitting word counts um, and uh, really 
believing that there would be a long-term reward at the end of the process, um, rather than really focusing on those like short-term excitement relief payoffs, uh, because it takes a long time. Um, as I mentioned, like this has been three years in the making, so it takes a long time to see a book to fruition. So, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely challenged me, but I think that's part of what I wanted is I was hungry for a new challenge. Um, I, was really lucky in that I have a lot of wonderful friends who are editors who beta read it for me and gave their honest feedback. And that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I have never read more. I'm a reader, but I've never read more in my life than I have since starting the process of being an author. And I'm constantly feeling inspired, motivated, uh, challenged by um, reading from like huge, like a plethora of different genres, um, you know, having new literary crushes every day. Um, so it definitely pushed me and transformed my life, but in, in a way that I think um, was needed and also um, has only, I feel like I've only grown as an essayist and a writer for the better since sort of tapping into fiction and uh, working on the novel. It's only enhanced you as a writer. I definitely think so. I think like <laughs> sure. good storytelling is good storytelling. So um, it's been a wonderful, like uh, almost like a creative writing assignment. Yes. No, yeah. a massive creative with the, the biggest reward. And okay, two questions out of that. One, give us like you said that when you were starting this, it was like, I wanted something to look forward to when I got home from work. So what was sort of like your day-to-day -day writing schedule so that you could stick to that consistency to get the job done? Um, I was writing about 6,000 words a week, which is about two chapters uh, for me. And I started in late August around Labor Day weekend, and I finished in late November, early December. So it only took me like three-ish months, three and a half, four months to get a rough draft of the manuscript by writing two, six, like 6,000 words, so 3,000 to 25 to 3,000 um, words a week. And I think that that was a good cadence for me while working a full-time job and freelancing because I essentially mm -hmm. was doing three things at once, right? I was working, you know, nine to five, quote unquote, but really much longer than that. I was writing for other publications and I was working on this book. Um, so in order, or, ordal, sorry, <laughs> long day. Um, <laughs> Long, long month, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> In order for me to uh, be able to balance all of those things, I had to remember it was a marathon, not a sprint. Um, mm -hmm. I have to remember, even if I wanted to write more than that or less than that in a week, I think it was really important for me to pace myself and for not to get so excited that I burn out in a week. Um, and that was really great while I was working a full-time job. Um, I always, people are always asking me, you know, when did you have time to write a book? Like how, how did you pull this together? And my biggest piece of advice is always, it's getting that first draft done that in my opinion is the most challenging. Cause once you've got a first draft, you can go back and you can fix the plot holes. You can make the writing stronger. You can mm -hmm. define the characters more, but it's that first draft that as long as you stick to, you know, a steady schedule and pace yourself, you'll be able to reap those long-term rewards. And then you finished up like you said, November, December. And then is that what you did? You went back, you sort of started to like polish it up a little bit. And then did you 
and I'm sure you probably had your friends in there that were able to sort of help you and, and give you, you know, feedback and stuff, but what was your process like, um, getting, getting to, to your pub date? Like how, how did that, how was that journey for you? Cause I know it can be frustrating for some people. For sure. Um, yeah, so I finished my first draft in, you know, December 2019, um, come January, February 2019, I did one pass of edits myself, and then I gave it to my beta readers, my beta readers gave me feedback, and then I did another revision, then we're in, you know, early March 2020, and the pandemic happens, and, um, you know, I live in New York, I've lived here my whole life and it was really scary um, in New York uh, at the beginning of lockdown um, mm-hmm. it was at the center of the pandemic um, at the start of the pandemic so it was um, you know a scary time and I think that it I didn't really have it didn't feel right to work on the book or to be self-promoting or I didn't really have the motivation to be uh, looking in further into the query process I was just you know scared and isolated and um, feeling all the things all at once. Um, so I shelved it for a little bit. And then in June, July of 2020, um, you know, during summer of reckoning, uh, following the killing of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matters protest, um, there started to be really great um, conversations in both media and publishing around diversity and inclusion and what it means to have true representation in the workplace. Mm-hmm. We're having all these conversations and it occurred to me, maybe there is value, maybe my book can bring added value. Maybe there's a place for it in media, in literature today. And I decided to return to it. Um, and I began the querying process in late July, August of 2020. Um, I signed with my wonderful editor, um, agent, sorry, um, in late August. Um, and she has been really like my guide and champion throughout this process. Um, and we did one round of revisions together. And then in the fall of, of, um, 2020, we took it to submission and, um, it closed in November of 2020, um, which was, I mean, the whole, it was probably like the most whirlwind of an experience I've ever had. And, um, you know, the parts of it that were exciting were surprising. The parts of it that were stressful and shocking were, you know, I I didn't know what to expect. And I feel like I'm still constantly being almost like blindsided and shocked by what to expect because it's really, I mean, there are so many little nuances in publishing that I feel like people wouldn't you know, know to look for. And I'm constantly learning more about the industry because I really did not know much and didn't know anyone, you know, in publishing before who could give me sort of a play-by-play for what to expect. But um, I worked on it with my wonderful editor for, um, you know, I mean, we did like actual structural edits for about six months. And then, uh, you know, the process of getting a book um, to its pub day is very long. Um, a ton of people touch it. A lot of people work on it. Um, it's another thing I didn't really realize before. Um, so yeah, I mean, a year later we're approaching pub in one week and, um, I'm so proud of the finished product. Um, I love this book so much. I'm just so grateful. Um, when I set out to write it, um, I didn't necessarily have expectations for it. 
um, at least not expectations that, um, you know, met the scale of which I'm now experiencing publishing. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't be more excited and thankful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You should be so excited. But it, I always love hearing that because especially for debut authors, because it's just always so interesting to hear the whole process. And it's not something that's like fast paced or quick. And there might've been quick moments where you're like, wow, this is really happening. But then there's always something else that comes along. And, you know, we're just lucky enough to get this beautiful finished product. I also wanted to ask you, like you are saying that during the writing process, you were like a even more voracious reader and like what were some of the books that like stuck with you that are memorable during like sort of that writing process where you were like this really is inspiring me oh my gosh so many (laughs) um ah, I don't even know you would not believe the range of um reading that I did uh different genres I reread my favorite YA book series, um, which is The Princess Diaries by Meg Cabot, because I love the way that Meg Cabot um, includes pop culture references in her writing. And also, I think she has some of the like, voiciest, messiest protagonists, um, Mm -hmm. and at least in YA and New Adult. So I reread the entire series start to finish, which um, honestly should have taken longer than it did. I sped through it. I started reading a lot of romance because I'd actually never written for someone who worked in sex and relationships for so long. I'd actually never written romance before. And I found that chemistry is actually the hardest thing to write. I think mm-hmm. that romance gets a very bad sexist rep, but honestly, romance and rom-com writers are doing God's work because you can, it's very difficult to uh, create organic chemistry in a way that doesn't feel cliched or trope uh, written. So I read a lot of romance. I want to shout out Emily Henry, who um, I absolutely love. And I read Beach Read um, during the query process. And it sort of like got me hooked on um, like emotional Mm -hmm. rom-coms. In terms of genre specific um, media novels, How to Murder Your Life by Kat Marnell um, was, it's a a memoir, but truly um, the detail that she gives about her experience as a beauty editor during like the early aughts of print publishing um, really inspired me to include as messy, ridiculous details as I could in my own Mm -hmm. book. Um, I think Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino also um, was a great book of essays on what it's like to be constantly plugged in and online. Um, My friend Gabrielle Korn's memoir also was fantastic. So, I mean, I really had... um, I feel like I was basically like flip-flopping between genres, nonfiction, fiction. Um, I've had my own like fantasy tryst and uh, people always ask me, why, what does fantasy have to do with hundred other girls? It has nothing to do with hundred other girls, except that the world of New York that I created, I almost thought of it as like a fantastical utopia, the way that you would like the world building of a fantasy novel. Um, And I uh, wanted to create a backdrop that felt almost surrealist, like in in detail, in terms of detail. So um, yeah, honestly, I was all over the place, but um, it's true what they say. If you read everything, you really will become a better writer for it. Well, I mean, and to think like that was part of like the work, quote unquote, for you, like that's a 
amazing. <laughs> and just think just two things on that. One, I when you just said the thing about reading fantasy and then New York, like for some people reading who maybe haven't even been to New York, it does seem like a fantasy. Like people, you know, they say like, you know, people go there to make their dreams come true. Like there's so many things that people want to go and, and achieve there. Um, so I love that. But then also going back to you saying that you are reading romance and rom-coms. I mean, you have a blurb from Christina Lauren, which is amazing. And they say on the front, the most delightful, absorbing and hilarious book I have read in ages. Like, I mean, people yeah. would kill for that. <laughs> I am a huge fan of Christine and Lauren. Um, I, this is what I mean by like, I feel like I'm living in, a, this is like so surreal to me to even say this. Um, I read around the same time that I read Beach Read, I read On Honeymooners. It was my first Christine and Lauren book. And um, it was, I mean, it was like a life-changing romp for me. I um, was obsessed with that book. Um, this was like during the time that like the hating game was getting really big mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about like smart rom-coms. Um, and it put me down a whole other path with uh, Christine and Lauren. I read, you know, Josh Hazel's uh, Guide to Dating. I read um, Love in Other Words, which is like the uh, blueprint for friends to lovers. Um, and so, yeah, I've been a huge fan for so long. And um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people outside of publishing don't know the way that the burp blur process works, but it's really like you're taking, you're shooting in the dark. Like you're, you're just taking shots in the dark, um, sending out blind emails, you, your agent, your, um, editor, the, your publisher's marketer, you're basically just sending blind emails, uh, to people that you love <laughs> being yeah. like, Hey, I wrote this book. If it sounds of interest to you, I'd love to send you a copy. If you like it, maybe you could tell the world about it. If you don't like it, that's cool too, but don't tell me I'll cry probably. So like it's, and don't tell anybody else. I'll freak out, but, um, it's very vulnerable. It's very scary because you're basically going to your literary heroes being like, Hey, so I'm a debut author. You've never heard of me because nobody has, but I'm a huge fan of yours. And I wrote this book and, um, I actually was at brunch with friends when I got a notification that, Christine and Lauren had tagged me in an Instagram story and I realized they were reading. And it was at that point, I'm honestly, I could have just like retired at that point. I was like, okay, cool. Like okay. I did it like done. I've, I've done my duty. Um, yeah. but the blurb they sent in was so incredibly kind. Um, I'm so just like, I'm proud that, um, authors whose work I love found the book to be, I don't know, engaging and different and funny enough that like people that make, they have made me laugh for so long. I made them laugh. There's nothing better. Right. I mean, and that, and, and their quote is so perfect and it is exactly true. So, I mean, it, it makes me love them more because they got it. And like, that's what I would say. I mean, it's, it's, it's so good. So, okay. Give everybody your little blurb about what the book's about. So the book um, follows our protagonist, Nora, recently graduated from college, Middle Eastern American, um, aspiring writer, who is actually just like tutoring rich kids in English and working on her blog, New York City at night, crashing on her sister's couch. It's your classic. I just graduated. I'm feeling lost. Coming of age. Big question. Um, Because of 
sort of like shot in the dark, dark, unforeseen circumstances, she gets the opportunity to work entry level at her favorite culture magazine, Vinyl. And Vinyl, this is very personal for Nora. She, you know, the raise, she basically was raised reading like different articles who gave her advice on, you know, how to insert a tampon and who to vote for. And she thinks this is her lucky break. But when she gets there, she realizes that the old school elitist print team and the new school woke, but for the wrong reasons, digital team are kind of in a turf war with each other. And as Vinyl's newest employee with, you know, stars in her eyes and big dreams, she gets caught in the middle. So she basically has to choose which team she's going to side with, or she has to figure out if there's a way for her to write and to reach the reader and form her own side. Um, it's really funny. It's juicy. It's a check-in on the world of the Devil Wears Prada since the digital media boom. There's a great sister relationship. Um, there's a workplace romance. It's incredibly diverse, but in a way that feels like true representation and not tokenization. Um, and above all else, like it's going to be a fun beach read with surprising insights. So I hope you guys will check it out. <laughs> you nailed that. I mean, people will be like, ordering it as you're giving the, 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 the summary, the blurb it is. And, and the more that I, the more that I keep thinking about it and we were chatting before, and yes, this is like a coming of age tale. And we were talking about, you know, it would be the perfect read for a new grad because you're sort of entering the workforce and, and really trying to like grab hold of your dreams. And what does that take? But I also think like, And like I mentioned to you, like I've been out of college for a long time, but yet I feel like, especially too, after COVID people of all ages were sort of questioning, like, what brings me joy? Like, is this really what I want to be doing? And how can I make things happen for me? And it doesn't really matter how old you are. I feel like Nora will be that sort of inspiration for you to sort of just keep plugging ahead and being persistent and things in life come up, but it's how you sort of maneuver and navigate around them to, to make things happen. And that's what I got from her. And that's why I loved her so much. hundred percent. I I think you nailed it. Like I think <laughs> the reason that she's so relatable is she makes a lot of mistakes. She's messy. You know, oftentimes as the reader, you see things more clearly than she does. And you want to shake her and say, you know, remember this, remember that but she's doing the best she can. Um, and in the end of the day, she returns to her own mantra, her own, you know, code of ethics. She's got her own found family guiding her through it. And, um, she remembers that, um, you know, sometimes dreams are just, uh, you know, they're, they're led by people and not by places. They're not job titles. They're not corporations. They're, they're people and they're people who truly believe in the work that they're doing. So if anyone has ever felt like they have to make a difficult decision in order to succeed or to have their dream come true, this is the book for you. Um, I promise that by the end, you will be cheering on Nora too. I feel like now, I, now we could almost categorize this as like a motivational book. <laughs> oh like God. a self-help <laughs> who was I met someone recently who like oh my gosh it was actually just like a random girl at a party I met someone who thought the book was a self-help book after I described it to them and when she found out it was fiction she was like what really so I guess that's just how I talk about it <laughs> but I love it I feel like yeah like nor def I love that you say a check-in on the devil wears product now that there was the digital boom, um, which I totally agree. There's so many 
devil vibes throughout it. Um, and like I mentioned to you, I was a huge bold type fan and I definitely see those aspects too. And then I also felt like Nora had a little bit of um, Melanie Griffin from like working girl in her that she was just like sure. navigating these things that were coming up that she was like I could sit back and just say I'm out but like I'm gonna do the right thing and I'm gonna like push through and and what I also love is that sometimes the right thing is just not black and white like sometimes oh. um, the right thing is really painted in shades of gray and how I mean how relatable is that like we're all just trying to figure out what's right for us and um, how to make a decision that uh, really serves people in the best of our abilities so I, I completely agree and um, yeah I'm I'm proud when I think about her I, I just feel almost like endeared to her um, I'm proud yeah. of her because um you know, she, the book really, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the book ends with her sort of um, really sticking to her guns. So um, you'll get your, your happily ever after, but it might not be exactly how you expect it to what end. What you think. So, she would be a great you, friend, which is always fun when you're reading a book and you're like, oh, she would be like a great friend. Totally. What and I more think, do you want? Yeah. I think that part of that also is that, um, because of the way that it's written. I was actually talking to someone about this just today um, with, you know, the pop culture references and the sling and the um, sort of confessional writing. You kind of feel like you're in a group text with her. Like you totally. Feel like- <laughs> I love that. Okay. So now the next question is, even though this is coming out next week, we're, we're celebrating. Are you already working on something else? Okay. Um, so I can't say too much about this, but I am working on another project. Um, I will have more news about it very soon. Um, okay. I will say is if you like to hundred other girls, you know, follow me, um, add me on Goodreads. Uh, there will be more to come. And I actually think that um, everything I'm working on is only like playing on the strengths of a hundred other girls. Um, so <gasps> you, this it, is exciting. It's, it's, I think it's going to get even better. So um I can't wait to share more in the future and okay. uh, can't wait to keep on, keep on writing for you guys. <laughs> okay. Should we be manifesting like a mini series here? I'm feeling like I'm getting this, like major announcements going to come. Gosh, no, it's not nothing. Um, it's, I wouldn't say a uh, series. Um, I'm not writing a sequel, although I would love to write a sequel, but um, I would say that I'm creating my own little New York universe and I'm really excited. Okay. So, oh my gosh, I'm excited too. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. <laughs> okay, you. now we're going to do Iman Sheikless, which I feel like this is perfect for you because Nora was chic. What you're going to, this is going to be good. I'm interested. So, okay, here we go. What three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Okay, I really struggled with this question um, because, I mean, I. <laughs> I'm in many book clubs with many different people um, and they're all phenomenal. Um, but I finally decided that I'm going to go three fictional characters. And I'm going to okay. go with my favorite main characters from lower grade, middle grade and upper grade YA, which basically okay. is me. So I'm going Junie B. Jones. I'm going um, <laughs> Massey Block from The Click. And I'm going Mia Thermopolis from The Princess Diary. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my daughter, Chloe, because she reads Junie B. Jones. And I'm going to be like, Junie B. Jones was mentioned on the podcast. She'll be like, who? 
Girl, I was in my own heart, but like, it's true. What, even when I was working on this book, I returned back to the basics and it really set me up so nicely. And these are the people that raised me. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that so much. No one's ever done that. And I feel, oh, I love it. Well, A plus on that answer. Okay. Um, current binge series. Okay. This is very good question. Do you mean books or or TV? I'm usually people answer with TV, but you can do either. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'll do both real quick. Okay. Do both. I'm currently watching hacks, which I love. Um, I don't know if, um, anyone in the audience has a marathon this recently, but, oh my gosh, like June smart is brilliant. Um, and it has a lot of, um, hundred other girls vibes in terms of like the generational conflict between Ava, um, and Deborah, who was like, sort of like an old school comic and a young sort of like woke queer writer. Um, so it reminds me a lot of, uh, Nora Loretta. And I really think that, um, if you love the book, you'll love the show. I've been obsessed with it. Um, and Meg Stalter is my queen. Um, and I just finished, um, a self-published series called the Mindfuck series, which is oh. uh, five books. I read them in two days. Um, it's basically like criminal minds meets like pretty little liars with romance in it. And um, if anyone's looking for like a quick juicy read, I can't remember the last time I read a series and needed more than like my next breath to watch it adapted. Like I need a TV show for this book. So. <gasps> Um, very much recommend if you guys are looking for your next series, but maybe don't read before bed. It is a serial killer romance. So wait, this sounds, I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds amazing. Serial killer, revenge, revenge killer, um, and FBI agent romance mystery. It's so good. (laughs) Okay. I think, yes, people are going to love that. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then last favorite book and current read. Ooh, last favorite book. Oh my gosh. I keep a log of the books that I read. Um, Oh, it's so tough. I've read so many books this year. Um, I really love the dead romantics, which I just finished. Um, It's uh, the good morning America and Barnes and Noble fiction pick for this month and um, a romance with ghosts in it. Um, I just, it's so creative. I didn't see any of the plot twists coming. Uh, very much recommend that. I read last month, I read Writers and Lovers by Lily King, which I absolutely loved. Um, I I just really um, resonated with everything that she talked about in terms of um, how other writers can collaborate or size each other up, like competition in the industry, um, how long it can take you to tell the story that you want to tell and how it never feels finished. I just thought it was I just actually thought it was so beautiful. Um, and the, my current read, um, hmm. well, last month I read, um, boyfriend material by Alexis Hall, which Mm -hmm. is a hilarious rom-com. I'm honestly like, I, I, I don't even, I, I feel like I can't even call it a rom-com because it's honestly just some of the funniest writing I've ever read. Like I was chortling as I was reading. <laughs> can't believe people didn't tell me how funny it was earlier. And my lovely uh, publisher was nice enough to send me an arc of um, husband. <gasps> the next one. Well, and I'm currently reading husband material. So um, if you are looking to like pee your pants laughing um, on the beach or in transit this summer, 
very much recommend checking out boyfriend material. You're going to want to read it before husband material comes out. Oh, I love that. So many, like you've given us so many good recommendations. You're, ace, you're acing this chic list. We're at a hundred percent. I do too. Um, okay. Describe your writing space. Oh my gosh. Well, I write mostly in my apartment um, and I live in New York, as I mentioned. So I live in a pretty small one bedroom, but like decorated to a T um, and very personalized. It's like maximalist and colorful and full of like books and book bookish paraphernalia. Um, and so I sort of like oscillate between my bedroom, the uh, dining table and the couch I actually don't love writing at a desk. Um, it's left over from my office days. I just never really loved um, the whole like open floor plan monitor life. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, it basically, I write in like paradise for book lovers. I'm surrounded by my favorite books. I've got like advanced reader copies of my book and like blown up posters of it's, and it just feels inspiring and colorful and so very neat. So I love that. Um, name something chic. Oh my God. Um, my mother is the chicest person I've ever met. Um, she is a Middle Eastern architect um, who has, I mean, probably the best personal style I've ever seen. Um, when I was young, I thought it was like wacky and crazy and out there. And now I think she's an icon. So Gisu Hariri, um, go check Gisu. my mom out. She's fabulous. Oh. Um, I think clogs are chic right now. So if you haven't gone out and bought yourself a pair of clogs, I really recommend Swedish has-beens and the Birkenstock Boston clock I am currently wearing. Um, very chic. Uh, what else do I think is chic? I think um, that it's the chicest thing you can do is care a lot. I think that the coolest thing you can do is care a lot. I think that um, being nice is chic. I think being kind and empathetic and just genuine is chic. Um, very over the like too cool to care mantra. And mm -hmm. I think the, the chicest thing you can be is like a kind, caring person. Don't judge people for what they read. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's the chicest thing around is yes. being authentic and kind and cool. <laughs> what? That you got bonus points because you included your mom. Yeah, um, <laughs> do you have a favorite book that you gift? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I have, I feel bad about my neck by Nora Ephron. Um, and this actually, I'm going to shout out my best friend, Willa, because during the pandemic, um, she actually mailed me a copy of this book. Um, and I'm a huge Nora Ephron fan. Um, and I reread, um, the essays and, oh my gosh, it was it really resonated more and more with me every time I read it. So just beautiful essays on being a writer, being a woman, um, I'm living in New York. So, um, I like to send now inspired by Willa. I like to send this to friends who I feel like might need it. Um, I love to gift it to people when they feel like they're in a reading slump. Um, and also I just think that Nora is like the funniest, most honest, most perfect writer ever RIP I loved her I know she was so she was amazing yeah. she really was um I 100% agree with that um if you could have one song as the theme song of your life what would it be and why um 
Oof. My favorite song of all time is The Real Thing by Gwen Stefani because I was a huge, like, no doubt ska fan when I was little. <laughs> um, but I actually will say Writer in the Dark by Lord is actually about me because um, the whole song, I don't know if listeners will know it, but the whole song um, pre-chorus goes, I bet you rue the day you kissed a writer in the dark. And that is basically what I take away from that line is everyone that's ever kissed a writer in the dark lives to regret the day because they will write about it and they will be a character. Everything is content as Nora would say. So that's right. (laughs) Everything is copy. So um, I love that song because every time I hear it, I'm like, yep. Like if you're going to rue the day you kissed me, you're going to rue the day you crossed me because I, um, I write about all parts of my life and everything makes its way into fiction. So I love that. <laughs> Good answer. Okay. <laughs> Must have beauty item. This is where I'm actually going to fail you. Um, cause the least chic thing about me is that I just am like useless when it comes to beauty and, uh, makeup and glam. Um, I really just use like, like Pond's cold cream from CVS and whatever serum, um, gets sent to me, or I have left over from the beauty closet where I used to work. So, um, I'm just really, I love personal style. Um, I love to get dressed. Um, but I've never really been that much of a, a beauty savant that said I am very hairy like Nora, like every other Middle Eastern, um, or Brown girl out there. So I'm honestly like, let's go like Venus Gillette, like (laughs) let's go with, uh, well, you, you have like just without makeup, you have a glow going. So whatever you're using, not using ponds, whatever. It's, it's ponds. I literally, it's just, ponds. it's working. I'm like, wait, I need to get ponds. I actually had a container and then I ran out of it. Now I'm like, wait a second. I just love the smell and I love how cold it feels on my skin. Very nice. Yeah. And it's really Never. thick, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it? And what shade would it be? Hmm. I think I'll name it after my own book. Yes. Maybe New York City. And I'll give it like a deep, like purpley red burgundy color because it's going to be both like rich and mysterious and divisive, but also like beautiful and bold. Um, So all the things that 100 Other Girls is and Nora represents. (laughs) I love it. Okay. And last best advice you've ever received. This is the hardest question. Um, I got asked this last month and didn't have a good answer for it. And you think I'd be more prepared this time. Um, but I'm actually going to share two quotes that I've just been like percolating in my brain. One is from a panel that I was on last month, with a couple other writer friends and someone asked, do you think that you need to have a big social media following in order to be successful as a writer? And um, another writer on the panelist, on the panelist, sorry, one of the other panelists who is a writer said, um, having a social media following is good, but being a amazing writer is better. And I always think about that because I think that it's so easy to get caught up in the white noise of Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and comparing yourself to other 
other writers and, you know, feeling like you're not doing enough to promote yourself. But in the end of the day, like good writing is good writing. Mm -hmm. And people remember that first sentence. People remember um, those lines that haunt them when they're trying to go to sleep and you can't replace amazing writing. So I think about that a lot as I approach pub. Um, And then the other piece of of advice I want to share is actually from my therapist. So shout out my therapist. Um, But uh, she said something that's really uh, stayed with me, which is that, you know, our brains are so powerful that they have the ability to convince us of the worst case scenario. So why can't they be powerful enough to convince us of the best case scenario? So I love that because it really, um, it's so true. And it reminds you that the power of positive thinking is actually not just a one-liner or a myth. Um, Our brains are incredibly powerful and positive thinking really can have an impact on your psyche. So um, those are the two quotes that have been getting me through pub week. So (laughs) those are good. Oh my gosh. I love those, especially the last one. That's so good. And it's so true. Um, I just love that. So I feel we covered a lot of ground here, Iman. So I am so, (laughs) I am so happy that you came on to chat with me about this book. I can't tell you how much I loved it enough. Um, where can people follow you on Instagram? You can follow me at Iman Hariri Kia. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. I would love to chat with you. Um, DM me, please. Um, I would love to connect. And you can find 100 other girls um, signed copies from the Strand. You can pre-order on Bookshop, uh, Barnes Noble, Amazon, all the good things. Um, I can't wait to get this book into your hands. Thank you, Courtney, so much for having me. (laughs) Of course. Thank you for coming. I'm seconding all that. you absolutely should read it. It's the perfect summer read. And um, you'll have to keep us up to date and you'll have to come back when all the fun things start happening for you. And thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in.